Uh, God, thank you for tonight. We lift Janet to you and pray that you'd bring healing to her body, that you'd ease that reaction. Uh, and we thank you for one another, God. Thank you that we can be part of a church family, that we can think together about what it means to f- actually follow you in this world. So to that end, we commit this time to you and pray that you'd be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, it seems like the last few times we've been together, we've been uh, kind of reporting out on the strat-out process and in some sense have, uh, I mean, that, that's part of it, right? Getting the vision of the church and where we're going, but... In, in, in some sense, that's been more of the planning piece and, and that, that kind of thing. So I wanted to get back tonight to um, just a very simple vision where I could see us heading as a church, something that we, we could think about. If you haven't read this book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, let me ask it this way. Who has read this book, The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard? Has it, nobody. Nobody. Don't move this way. Okay. Sorry, these guys are saying, go between the speakers, not in front of the speaker. That better? Okay, good. Um, okay, homework assignment. You should all read it. It's, it really is that good. It's one of the best Christian books I've ever read. It'd probably be on my top ten list. It's by Dallas Willard. It's really great. Write it on the board. You betcha. The Spirit. Sorry, guys. Am I doing something? We good? Yeah, you bet. It's called The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. Sorry. (laughs) I'll speak behind the board. (laughs) We'll get it worked on, I'm sure. Um, let Let me just read... Let me just read something from the preface because Willard is always a good writer. He, in the preface, he just tells you what the book is about. So here's what he says. My central claim, thank you. My central claim is that we can become like Christ by doing one thing, by following him in the overall style of life he chose for himself, by arranging our whole lives around the activities he himself practiced in order to remain constantly at home in in, uh, the fellowship of his father. And then um, it's the spirit of the disciplines because it it talks about spiritual disciplines, but it's a pretty wide-ranging thing. It's just not the kind of maybe classic spiritual disciplines that you would think of. It talks about silence and solitude and that, but it thinks also of, of a spiritual discipline as discipling other people, investing in other people, in... Um, acts of service in the community, just demonstrating the love of Christ for people. So he thinks of all of these things as, as disciplines. And then he says this, in a balanced life of such activities, we will be constantly enlivened by the kingdom not of this world, meaning the kingdom of God. So that, that's a critical piece and kind of the vision thing for tonight. A balanced life of such activities. So his fundamental deal venturing out. His fundamental deal is that we don't experience the kind of life that Jesus had because we don't do the things that Jesus did. And and he, he kind of just breaks it down that simply and invites us to consider arranging our lives around the things that Jesus actually did. So, uh, you know, we're all at, at various points of understanding with regard to 
our church's partnership with this organization called 3DM, this, this kind of reproducing discipling model. We've been talking about this a little bit. It's the, it was the point of my Sunday school class uh, these past 10 weeks, kind of talking about, uh, about this approach to m- disciples making disciples because we've been going after that. And this, this image might not be new to you either, the triangle. But I want to talk about it in a little different way tonight. And this is all based on Luke chapter 6. Let me, let me read that for us. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 19. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. So Jesus got up. Literally, he got up early in the morning. But he thought about and invested in his relationship with the Father. He got up, went to the mountainside, and prayed. And as we know, that was a very regular rhythm for him. So Jesus got up. Verse verse 13. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So that uh, was the group in which he was investing. So Jesus invited others in. Jesus got up. Jesus invited others in. And then this, the very next verse. He, Jesus, went down with them and stood on a level place. A crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Um, Jesus got up. Jesus invited others in to his life, and Jesus reached out. In, in a very simple way, going back to you know, the words of Dallas Willard, we don't experience the life of Jesus because we don't do the things that Jesus did. This is a really simple summary of what Jesus did. He intentionally balanced three tiers of relationships in his life, his relationship with God, the Father, his Father, his relationships with other people whom he had intentionally invited into his life, the people in whom he was investing, doing life with. And he was mindful of the crowds, right? He, he reached out. So he had a love for God, was pursuing that relationship intentionally. He had a love for others, was pursuing those relationships intentionally, investing in people. And he had a love for uh, this lost and broken world. That, you know, that the RCA mission statement, uh, a lost and broken world so loved by God, right? That's, that's in our mission statement as a denomination. I've always loved that phrase, a lost and broken world so loved by God. That, that this, is, this is what Jesus did, right? So all oriented around people, bringing people back toward the Father. And um, 
This is what Jesus did. So I just wanted us to, to think about that because from a, from a church vision perspective, if we could imagine out in the future two or three years, think of the power of, of every individual in the church, but more than that, because we can't do this stuff in a, in a solo kind of style. There, there's definitely a, a personal aspect of this. You know, uh, close the door on your prayer closet and pray to your Father who is in heaven, that kind of thing. But we don't do this entirely alone. Imagine kind of linking arms with some friends in the faith and investing in your relationship with God, worship and prayer and studying the scripture, that kind of thing. Imagine every follower of Christ uh, praying through who the Lord might be drawing to them, people of peace, and organizing our lives around that. Again, not individually, it could be with friends, and choosing to invest in folks who might not be quite as far along the journey as we are. And it's not that we have it all figured out, nobody does. We're simply saying to those who might be a bit behind us on the walk, hey, insofar as I follow Jesus, follow me. If I'm not reflecting Jesus, then let's follow somebody else together and learn from them. But let me invest, right? And we're doing that intentionally. And always at the same time, again, not alone, not trying to do private evangelism with people in our workplace or something, but banding together with friends, friends on mission together in the world, uh, loving the world like Jesus loved the world. And just this simple model of trying to actually do the things that Jesus did. It, and just keeping it that simple. And th- this has been really helpful because uh, you can, you can think about yourself personally. All of us tend to be better at two of these things and weaker in one of them, right? And you can think about yourself. Churches tend to have that kind of dynamic too. Churches can be up and in churches. You might do really well at worship and preaching and, and really good at building community so much so that when guests come or outsiders come, it, they experience this kind of difficulty of penetrating the community, right? Like, how do I get in? It seems really nice and warm, but how do I get in? Or churches can be, um, you know, they, 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 you, can, you can work it out on your own, right? They can be two of these and just weak in, in one of the others. Uh, so let me, let me just give a couple practical examples, and then that, that will be the vision, just the vision piece for tonight I'd like us to take away. Just thinking about this triangle, thinking about our lives, and how we can be intentional in each of these, uh, or more intentional if our, we're, we're already doing something kind of intentionally. So I, I think the Cheryl family is probably representative of fifth. I'll go out on a limb here. I think we're this as a church. I think we're an up-in church for the most part. Uh, but, but there's stuff to talk about there. In terms of being personally engaged with, with people, you know. And I know our family is definitely that way too. We find it much more comfortable to live in this world and, and a little more challenging to be a- intentionally, actively involved with people who, who are, aren't as connected with the faith. So I was, um, I, I met a new friend uh, this summer, a guy named Jeff Lothamer. He and his wife, Christy, and their three girls are missionaries in the UK. And they went to the UK to plant a church uh, and, and the funding for that dried up and went away. And they realized they weren't, through this church plant, connecting with nearly enough people. Because in the UK, you can't just you know, start a church plant and have people come. There's, that just, they're way beyond that. That just will not work. You've got to build relationships. It's very much a post-Christian kind of culture. 
So they decided to start a coffee shop, and it's um, not, not uh, I mean, they, they started a really nice coffee shop. If you think Madcap downtown, they started a coffee shop like that. And that's kind of a thing in the UK. It's, not, it, it's a very unique thing. They live in uh, what he calls Oxfordshire, which is the, the country surrounding Oxford. So I think they live about 10 kilometers from Oxford. Started this really high-end coffee shop. And uh, the profits of which all go towards supporting at-risk youth in the larger community. So they're, they're still supported as missionaries. They're not running the coffee shop to support themselves. They're running the coffee shop to support this work among students. So this whole thing is kind of blown away people in the community. So they come in, and Jeff intentionally trains all of his staff to do, to do out. And the very simple training he gives them is as, as either people taking the order or a barista making the coffee, he just tells them, look, every single person who comes to the shop today is, is experiencing something in their life, and their face will tell you what's going on. So he tells the person who takes the order, when somebody comes up, just look at their face. And don't, don't miss that. Just stop and look at their face. And think, what is their face telling me? And if it looks like they're having a really rough day, he has empowered the people taking the orders to say, you know what, we, we set aside some of our profits here just to sor- support people who are having kind of a bad day and it it kind of looks like you're having a rough day so can we buy your coffee today it this one's on us well that's super cool so then 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 uh, the story goes on there there's a really cool pe- the, the patrons have caught on to this so some patrons will come by and say hey I just want one one latte but I'm gonna pay for two and put the money in that thing where you give away coffees you know what? But th- that little story translated to our family devotions one day. So as we were thinking as a family about how we're, we were going to do out for the day, what will we as this, so we do our family devotions at breakfast, and we have a, a couple little books that we read, maybe a little Bible verse, and we we'll keep it simple. Our boys are young, as you know. So it's tough to find stuff that will connect at that age. So I, just, I presented this to Jack and Tucker and just said, okay, guys, let's do an out today. Let's just look at people's faces. And this, compl- this really engaged them. This really got them. And just look at people's faces. And if somebody's like this, you know, find some way to encourage them at school today. I mean, say something kind to them or invite them to do something. So we said that we would go out that day and have a story to report at the end of the day. And we all did. Jack and Tucker both took that little assignment and went and did an out, right? Now, it's not like sharing the gospel fully with somebody, but it is an out, right? We're doing that because of God's love for us, and we think God wants everybody everywhere to experience fullness of life and, you know, be, and be loved and encouraged and feel that way. So there's a practical example of out. Um, last example, uh, GEMS and KQuest. I'm pointing to Kristen because she leads our GEMS program on Wednesday night, if you didn't know that, for elementary age kids. And my wife, Crystal, leads the boys' version, KQuest. So in thinking about GEMS and KQuest, you know, a lot of that investment is here. We, we invite uh, uh, boys and girls who aren't part of our church to come and participate in KQuest and, and GEMS, and we have uh, a number of those. 
Uh, but but it's largely worship, investing uh, in, in the people who are here. So we were thinking about how do you add an out to that? And that's what this thing coming up on Wednesday is, is about. So all of those leaders got together and said, well, let's do an out. So they created invitations. And I guess it was two Wednesdays ago now, the K-Quest boys went out and invited everybody on that street. It was door to door. Hand them a postcard you know, this street and that street. And there were all sorts of great stories. And so we think we have neighbors just coming over here because they were invited by, by some boys. And, and then the leaders unpacked that with them. And I think the girls took cards to invite other friends and the boys took some cards to, in, to invite friends. So it would, all of that emerged from applying this triangle to a group that was already happening in the church. Just we're, we're doing this and this. How could we do a little bit of this? Just very simple, right? So, so let's put that in our percolator and let it percolate a little bit because I think this can be really helpful. It can be helpful for you, a small group you're in, uh, any kind of ministry team we're a part of, just being intentional about having up, in, and out in, in everything that we're doing as a church. So, make sense? Any, any, any conversation? It's good. Okay. Yeah, Michael. Can you say that with the mic just because we're recording a Michael? Thank you. As uh, I've had the luxury of seeing the boys unpack it on a weekly basis. Yeah. And I think it would be really great if we start incorporating in other areas of, this, of the church. Yeah. The service or in different areas so that we're all talking about it and we're all understanding it and encouraging each other. And I think the challenge is that we don't, it doesn't become a lingo that we use that yeah. others don't know about. Yes but I think it could be really valuable. And the boys seem to respond to it very favorably. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, and that's, that's actually one of the big conversations in this reproducing discipling model is shared vocabulary so that we all kind of have a sense of what we mean by up, in, out. This is, this is just a simple version, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, Diane. Uh, I had a story... Um my cousin's mother-in-law died um, yesterday, oh. and um, she was elderly and, and was on hospice and things, but um, she never stopped sharing about Jesus, and it was just so interesting to me, because you think, oh, somebody's old, and, you know, they're on their last days, and, it, you know, this is pretty much it, and she had a private duty aide, and she kept, just kept talking to the aide about Jesus. Yeah. And so after she passed away, then um, the aide was talking to the family, and the aide said, you know, I've been thinking about what she said, and my boyfriend and I, we really need to get into church. Hmm. And, I mean, that just touched me because I thought, boy, you think of somebody who's only got a couple days left on earth, huh. you know, what are you going to do? And she just used that time. Isn't that great? Yeah. You would think, especially in that moment of life, it could be really easy to be here, right? She was still thinking here. Yeah, what a powerful thing. Yeah. Good. Josh, you want to go? Sure. So, when we get together to do these, yeah, and... Uh, well, just erase the triangle, that's fine. 
So when we get together to do these, we, we have a couple of things, right? So we get together and we eat a meal. Uh, we worship and sing some songs together. We have a time of vision, what's going on in the life of the church that tells us and is informative to just where, it's going, where we are going and what's coming up. And one of those things is also a skill. So when we talk about the skill times, it's always a little tricky, uh, in part because some of the things that we talk about on the surface can feel basic sometimes or fundamental. But it's, this is one of the only opportunities we have within the life and rhythm of churches where we can talk about stuff like this. And so some of these things that we'll talk about generally, you'll go, yeah, 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 I got this. And other things, you'll hopefully go like, oh, that's really interesting and new and thoughtful or et cetera, et cetera. Now, uh, so that's just generally as I was thinking about it, because some of the things that we've talked about in the past, the first time uh, Christian came up and taught one, he was talking about how to approach someone and how to be hospitable to someone who showed up on a Sunday morning. And his line, the direct line was, you want me to tell people how to make friends? And I said, yeah, yeah, I want you to give me a step-by-step -step process on how to make friends. Help, Christian, help people, help us figure out how to make friends, right? So that's what we do when we get together and talk about especially these skill portions. And whenever we're talking about skill portions and what that looks like, right, it's really an overlapping areas of three different pieces of, of information. To learn a skill, you need to have a couple of things that are part of it. You need some knowledge. It helps if you have penmanship that's not like a second grader, but I've all you got, so there you go. You need some knowledge. You need some experience and you need some coaching uh, or feedback, right? You need some, some time of being interactive. And so what we're gonna do tonight is just a little example that goes after that. And in particular, what we're talking about tonight uh, is inviting. And what does it mean to invite someone? And really, how do we invite someone to a personal invitation that helps establish trust and friendship? My wife was invited to, there's a Catholic church uh, half a block away from our house, which is where our kids have often, where our kids have gone to preschool. Uh, we have some friends that go there, and so she got invited to go to an event there, uh, which she wasn't super interested in to start with, but her friend invited her, and so she said, sure, I'll go, and she had a lovely time, uh, and it reconnected her with her friend, and it did all of those things. So what we're going to do is we're going to work through around tables, and we're going to talk about inviting and what that looks like. So I need you to get around tables. You need probably, you need like at least four people around a table, so like four to eight. Um, I have handouts I'm going to give, and I'll break it down into different sections and what we're going to do and how's it going to go. Sound good to everybody? Yes? Okay. Round tables. I'll hand out paper. So here's what, here's what we're going to do for all of this. So as you get around, uh, let's spend a couple of minutes on the front side. So there's three basic questions, right? Three basic parts of this. So we have a bit of scripture on the front, and then we have uh, an explanation and a story. Uh, not really a story, but an explanation. So And then we have some, some role-playing interactive stuff that we're going to do later. But from the front side, just the section that's on scripture, I want you to read through that scripture and answer those questions around your table and you will have about five minutes to do that. And why don't you, because it helps us, why don't we all 
pick a volunteer or nominate someone for tribute and read it aloud around your table versus read it to ourselves. Okay? And I'll call us back together in five minutes. Ready, set, go. Hello, there we go. Hey everybody, so let's go. So we're gonna go to the next section that's called the power of invitation. And let's read that aloud together. And when we get to the end of that, and I'll just be honest, these are my thoughts, and I'll also own my own errors. The typos are also my typos. And there was one on question number two, and there's a good chance there may be one or two more. And if so, I apologize now and in advance. Um, those are my faults. If you don't know what I'm trying to say, uh, guess and or come ask me and I'll tell you. Um, but let's read through that next section. That's the power of invitation. And then to wait till we get to the top of the third page before it says practice coaching. Stop there. And then I want you to talk around the table. What of the ideas that come up in that did you find the most compelling? Right? So whether the reasons why we do or don't or the different means by which we do it, what of that resonates? What of that do you find the most compelling? I'll give you about 12 to 15 minutes to, to talk about that, okay? Ready, set, go. All right, I could have just started talking, but that would have been way too simple. All right, so, so, with, so with the time we have left, right? And so we've got probably about 10 minutes or so. Um, wrap up your conversations that you're having if there's anything else you want to say on the last part. And I want to do the exercise. Uh, that's, the, that's the experience and coaching kind of things that we're going to do that's listed down there. So, so generally, I want you to think about what's the best thing you've been to in the last six months. Wrong kind of two. I hate typos. Um, what was the best thing you've been to and what made it great? Right? What, what was the essential characteristic that made it great? And then I want you to pair off with someone else, uh, and I want you to invite a friend to that, right? So if your friend is actually Michael, and I'm paired off with Michael, then you could in practice inviting Michael to something. If it wouldn't make sense to invite Michael to the thing, like if it was a women's brunch, and uh, Michael is then going to pretend to be my friend Julia, and then we'll roll on, you can figure out how it goes. And then we're going to dialogue back and forth and give some feedback, right? Because not all invitations are the same. And part of the point of this is that we practice some things and we just try some things. And inviting people to stuff is something we do naturally. And for many of us, it's still terrifying. Or for many of us, it's something we don't like to do, even if we know we can or we should or all of those things. And part of it is just trying to do it some in a safe space where we can play around and no, no harm, no foul can come about of it. Make sense to everybody? All right. So 10-ish minutes, ready, set, go. So we could keep doing this for a while, and some of you, some of this we've probably wrapped up or moved on, but my group was having a lovely conversation, so I kind of let things roll. So forgive me if you got really bored on the backside. Um, but it's 8.30, which is when we try to wrap up. 7.30. That clock lies to me. It's 7.30. That one is right. The one I'm looking at is not. So there you go. It's 7.33. Um, but just want to respect time and let's wrap things up. And we'll, uh, conversation certainly does not have to end. 
Uh, but just want to want to conclude our evening, so to speak. Does that sound good to everybody? All right. Good. Let's uh, let's pray to end, and then we'll then we'll be done for the evening. Also, um, so there is. Uh, in case you did not notice, there is. There, we're a little thinner tonight, and normally Yaf eats with us, but apparently they're doing their own thing tonight. So we have a bunch of leftovers. If you would like to take some, Greg has gloriously boxed it all up, and we would love for you to take some. So if not, my family is eating pad thai for like two weeks. So please take some. Um, and Br- Greg has put them all in bags and put like stuff together. So figure out what works. And that would all be great. But let's, uh, let's just pray and then we'll, be, we'll formally wrap up for the evening. Heavenly Father, it is good to come together and to reflect on you, uh, to prayerfully consider where you are leading us, to think about things and to try to learn some new things, to relearn some things for many of us that we think of as being old and just to discuss the realities and challenges of living them out. I thank you for my friends that are here tonight. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ that we can come and do this together and learn and grow and experience uh, your community and your grace. So thank you for food. Thank you for fellowship, for worship, uh, and just for the many ways that you lead and impact us in the big ways and the small ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody.